I've lived a thousand lives. This is the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for another Hello, and welcome to season 33 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. This is episode one of season 33. So welcome. My name is Kimmy. My name is Bill. <laughs> and in tonight's episode, Stefan from Essen, which is in Germany, I, I love the rhyme. I'm just, I'm, I appreciate that, asks how to devise physical challenges for players. Muddy boobs, muddy boots from New York City. I like muddy boobs, though. <laughs> yeah. I like where that was going. Muddy boobs. NYC, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sends us a con report. And Steffi from Scotland has a new hobby. If you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Announcements. Welcome to season 33. We made it. And game days is coming up. We have another game days happening Saturday, January 13th. So there's already a game posted for it. There's a whole chat happening on the Discord. So if you want to see about that, that's our free gaming day. You get to sign up for games. You can run games. And you can do all that for free on our Discord at happyjacks.org slash Discord. All right. I'm a little bit out of practice. It's been two whole weeks since I've had to do this. <laughs> I know. Ooh, see, it's a couple weeks off. Everything is out the window. Everything. Everything's out the window. <laughs> all right. Our Indie Designer of the Month for December 2023 is Kurt Potts. Friend of the show. He, him. You can find his games at kurtpots.itch.io. I can't, I haven't enunciated, I guess, over the last two weeks at all. I'm yeah, you're used to like, it. just like kid family talk. Everybody knows what you mean. Exactly. Yeah, you have to. Totally. Yeah. You can find him on Twitter at Kurt Potts with two T's. That's K-U-R-T-P-O-T-T-S. So he's one of the Kurt's with a K. And he's also part of Lighthearted Games with Katie. And you can find that their games there at lighthearted.games. So this week we are talking about their namesake game, Lighthearted. So Lighthearted, welcome to the magical 80s dream world of, of Lighthearted. You are a prep, jock, geek, rebel, or outcast like those kids from the Breakfast Club, except you're just about to start Magical Community College. Lighthearted is a complete tabletop role-playing game that uses the language of film and television to reimagine the coming-of-age stories popular in 80s tele- uh, teen movies like Weird Science and 16 Candles. So that's when I was watching teen yeah. movies. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> like, so that's my, that's, this is like old people games at this point, uh, or timing, but, <laughs> get uh, it. Like, but, you, but you know, it, yeah. they're, they're tropes now. They're foundational films in our yeah, cinema scope. Yeah, yeah. But with a modern fantasy spin, it's an, an, an alternative 1980s with fantasy elements weaved in in the most outlandish bits of 80s pop culture. It utilizes an original system, but draws inspiration from Savage Worlds and Powered by the Apocalypse games. The system focuses on the balance between character motivation and their emotional struggle at, every, at any given moment, helping to create both external and internal conflict within the game. And you can get it at lighthearted.games. There's a PDF available and 
There's actually a print edition also that you can get through our friends at Gallant Night Games, who are their publishers. It's and exceptional. It's a great it's game. So Things I love about it, I've played a bit. Color. Uses color for, I love that. for everything. So it's yeah. like this great system where kind of what color matches up to what emotions and that and pushes aff- affects that. your magic yeah, too. Yeah, it affects your magic, yeah. which is really cool. I also love all the art because friend of the show, Minerva. Minerva. Did all the artwork and it yeah. is fantastic and completely draws you in. And I also like the fact that they chose to go with community college. Yeah. Right? Because I love masks. It's high school and you're kind of dealing with like those challenges and issues at that age. Mm-hmm. But the community college is like, hey, I'm just old enough to start drinking, but I don't really, <laughs> maybe I am. I'm close to it if I'm my third year at community college, right? <laughs> and so you kind of get that that next layer up yeah. of going through and figuring out who you are and those coming of age stories. But yeah, it's really exceptional and it's really fun. And you can tell that they, it's a very personal project for them to try to figure out how to uh, get across very emotion-driven gameplay like even when you're doing combats that kind of conflict resolution it's still driven a lot by emotion so it's really 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 good system yeah so we love it we've done some ap's on it if you look at happyjacks.org on our ap section there's lighthearted there we love it yay kurt we we love kurtz in general we happen we kind of collect kurtz but uh kurt potts is a great kurt (laughs) great kurt and katie and Katie, no, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and both K's, easy. Yeah, easy there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I get to play with them almost every week in my Strixhaven home so game. Oh my God, they're fantastic players. Oh yeah, amazing, amazing. Uh, All right, that's it. Let's, yeah. Mailbag number let's, one. Let's dive in. Okay, you get to read this because okay. I get a lot of talk. Salutations, Supervisor Kimmy and the Storycrafting Sages. Ooh. In my years of playing RPGs, I have come to the realization that it is social dilemma, moral problems, political intrigue, and the horror or beauty, sometimes both at the same time, of the fantastical that make me happy in a story. As a player, I find this is fine. I can tolerate the cumbersome fights in Vampire or the ridiculously complicated duels in L5R. I can participate or be a spectator on events as I like and am definitely able to see and acknowledge the glee in someone else's eye when a mini-map is rolled out and his ability to move two squares more than anyone else comes into play. (laughs) Alas, as a storyteller, I like to scratch that itch with those of my players that have created characters that are meant physical feats. Indeed, by now, I have come to question my complacency with my position as a player and would like to spice things up for my fellow players as well. But maybe due to my derelictions and preferences of the past, or due to me just being not imaginative enough, I find it hard to devise physical challenges that are at the same time interesting in more than one way. Aside from fights, instigated by various groups with bystanders, terrain, and hostages, and chases, I have come to disasters in mitigating preventing them and festivals rivalries, but I'm hoping for your creative input for more. Best regards, Stefan from Essen. P.S. Yes, I will keep with it. So, snack to your heart's content on Sif Delicious. (laughs) That's it. This is a great topic. Yeah. I think it's something that's really overlooked a lot of times, too, because so many... Like trad games are so focused on like combat, mm-hmm. and a lot of like more like modern indie games are so focused on like emotional stuff. A lot of times, like the physical challenges that are not combat get like kind of just ignored or skipped, yeah, and just not part of the story. Yeah, it's interesting. So, in the aforementioned Strixhaven game mm-hmm. I'm running, 
one of uh, Katie's character has started this her freshman year, year one, by getting a scroll from basically her mentor, her advisor. Mm-hmm. And she's a super loner character, very horrible family upbringing and everything. And so Pavel, her mentor, has basically given her the scroll and said, you have to get someone from each college to help you open it. And it's like, it's the whole year for the scroll, as they figured out now, is all about like friendship and making, like being able to work with people and not being this, mm-hmm. this loner. And so I was like, I don't want it to just be, the first part was very social. And then there was a very mental part to it, which was they had puzzles they had to figure out. And, and I'm sending them f- like physical props or stuff through email. So sort of that. I'm like, well, I want to have a physical challenge too, which mm-hmm. is uh, especially fun because they're all magic users at a magic school. Yeah. And the thing I like, do like about Cirque Saban is that you don't have to be a mage. There's like fighters there and paladins. So there, you know, there could be strength in that, but none of these characters. And so they basically saw uh, on a bridge about about 60 or 70 feet down on a bridge, they see a waterproof casing that's been adhered to the, the pillars of the mm-hmm. bridge. It's like, how are you going to get it? Well, they're only second level. They can't fly. They can maybe try to jump down and grab it and feather fall. Maybe that seems pretty risky. Yeah. Too far from mage hand. Like I tried to be smart and make it so mm-hmm. they had to all three work together to get down there, and it was a complete physical thing they had to do. Yeah. So they figured out, oh, if we tie a secure rope and then run the rope over, then someone's going to have to go down on the rope, mm-hmm. like 60 feet or 70 feet, and, and get this package. Yeah. And it, and so they were really smart about it, and they figured, like, okay, well, one, who's going to go down on the rope? But that was a lot of RP that was super fun about that. And then, and then it was like, well, somebody has to hold the rope to make sure it doesn't they're kind of mm-hmm. guiding it. It doesn't swing into anything or get frayed. And then someone's back where the rope was secured, like basically holding it. And so they went and got one of their dorm mates, which was great, <laughs> who was really strong. And I said, great, well, that'll give whoever's doing that advantage, mm-hmm. right? But then it was all about athletics roles and sleight of hand and acrobatics. And so it was all physical traits they had to do mm-hmm. to get past that puzzle, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, for the me, the challenge was I want to design a physical puzzle, but one that isn't just brute strength, yeah. right? So even to tie the rope, they made a survival roll, right? And mm-hmm. which was really funny because I was like, well, you'll roll it and, and like, it's going to tie no matter what. It's a knot. It's yeah. just how good is it? <laughs> yeah. And they didn't roll oh. real good on that. Um, <laughs> so that was almost super dangerous. But I think that's the the trick is to look at whatever the system is, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's D&D. So it's got its things. But if... If I was doing something in Traveler, it was like, I don't want it to be a fight, right? I think the ones that really get commonly thought about are, are outlined in the email, right? Fights, chases. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that festivals is a great one, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, there's f- like physical feats you have to do to mm-hmm. try to win prizes. Or if you're having like a tourney, yeah. right? If it's a fantasy setting, yeah, is really I, cool. Yeah, I think one thing, I mean, I think we all... Are really good about thinking about this, but we don't think about it often in like adventure games. Mm-hmm. We all think about it in heist games. Right. That's when we end up like all of us suddenly are like just overflowing with ideas when you have to like get into a casino on the moon of blah, 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 and you have to get in. And I think that's always a great thing to draw inspiration from, even if you're not actually doing a heist, but like mm-hmm. you kind of did like like you the thing you just described was very heist like they had to right. work as a team they had to 
do the, like these physical challenges to get something done. Mm-hmm. Which is basically all heist is, unless you get caught and then it becomes a chase. But you know, <laughs> or a fight. Or a fight. Real bad. Yeah. yeah. So, but you can tie that in in a lot of different ways. So if you think about like, okay, like if it was a heist, how would they get across this river or something like that? That can be really a way to get inspiration because you start thinking then in terms of teamwork mm-hmm. and how they're going to solve puzzles working together. Like Ocean's Eleven, like none of them alone like they all had to be there to do their specific jobs in order to pull off that job so think of like break down your party and like what they're good at and then see okay how can i piece this together because i think that's the thing like it's not fun if there's like a a physical challenge if like only one of them can do it unless you're doing some sort of cool competition like you mentioned like if there's like oh okay the little town of nowhere Olympics or whatever it is, like, and each of them have their own event they have to do. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's fun. Everyone gets their spotlight moment. But otherwise you want to make sure that they're all kind of getting spotlights by working together. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, to me, the cool thing about like a festival or carnival type setting yeah. is commonly you're coming up with different, really specific competitions that highlight this is a strength one. This is one that's about endurance. This yeah. is one that's about speed. This is one that's about agility or dexterity, right? And then that gives usually, amongst the way most parties, right, painting a broad brush, <laughs> tend to get built. You have people that specialize in things. So yeah. like, oh, great. Oh, this is your event. Oh, no, this is your event. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets their spotlight moment to shine. It is, I think, when you're GMing, great to every now and then, you know, be taking kind of all your players and laying them out and then seeing like, what are the things I can piece together? Yeah. Right. Where they're going to do something either all at the same time or in a quick sequence, mm-hmm. right? Where you're gonna, cause then you kind of get that quick pass the baton moment, right? A great, I just watched on Paramount Plus, I just watched the whole first season of the original Mission Impossible. Oh, yeah. And like they age kind of funny sometimes. Yeah. And it's great because every country they deal with is made up and they mm-hmm. all have this same weird quasi European ish accent that everyone <laughs> sort of talks with. Um, oh, the one I do for like all every time I'm yeah. supposed to be Russian. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> not even, yeah. Not even as good as that. They're oh. great. They're great though. <laughs> but the thing is, is like, you know, they have a 55 minute show and mm-hmm. they basically come up with here's an objective. Mm-hmm. How are you do it? Very heist like, right? Yeah. But it's always some combination of intellectual and disguise yeah. and physicality. And the last one I just watched, Eartha Kitt was in it, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Like who they have on the show is crazy too. Yeah. And they bring her in because she has to go through these this duct work oh, in yeah. the building, right? So they need someone because no one on the team normally can do that. Like, yeah. oh, that's why we brought her in. Mm-hmm. So that that gave that specific character a chance to shine in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the key thing. What no matter what the construct is for what the <laughs> the physical challenges you're putting forth or how you're testing people with that, is find a way where everybody gets their big moment, right? Where they, they're they the linchpin yeah. in that element of it mm-hmm. is a big deal. Yeah. For stuff like Traveler 2, I love, ha- and sci-fi in general, which I've been running a lot of lately, I love challenges where it's like some sort of repair. Yeah. And sometimes it can be if you're being chased, but it doesn't always have to be. Like, even if you're not being chased, if there's air leaking somewhere, like, mm-hmm. well, that's a timer right there without en- like the, the having to worry about anyone outside. So like having, okay, someone knows how to do it. Okay, but we need to lift up this thing. So someone has to, like, again, that that element of teamwork to get a certain thing done that's really important and mm-hmm. like and <laughs> crucial to their survival, especially in space or getting yeah. the engine going again or whatever it is. 
that can lend to some really great teamwork, uh, like skill and also like physical challenge scenes and moments and parts of a game that aren't combat or uh, chase and things like that. Another, thinking of that too, another element you can do, I'm talking about Traveler made me think about the Demon Station mm-hmm. thing that, J- that Jason wanted to do is that it was this concept of a long-term project mm-hmm. where it's like, I want to eventually make this thing or get to this place yeah. or solve this like challenge, whatever that is, and breaking that down into segments. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, so for this first part, you need to do this, and this is what that's going to require. Yeah. So it doesn't have that, that speed component to it, mm-hmm. but you're letting it be something that's going to have a big payoff at the end of a, of a lot of sessions. Yeah. Right. But then, then either that person has come up with different ways to do it or get other people to contribute or even bring in NPCs mm-hmm. if none of the, the team or the crew can do it is another interesting way to approach that. So I think a lot of the solutions we immediately think of are ones that happen real fast. Yeah. Like a chase or a fight or a, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in a session. It's going to happen in maybe like 10 minutes or something. Yeah. But having one where it's like, no, you're going to get tested over the course of time mm-hmm. is pretty neat, I think. And it gives you a, a big potential long-term payoff. Yeah. And then you can kind of see what's interesting to players too as you go along. Yeah. I think that's, that's amazing. That's a great idea. Yeah. Because you incorporate so much stuff and it can change. Like, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And you can also, in that way, if you're breaking it down breaking it down all the way through, you could even have it be where it's like, oh, well, there was eight things you did over the course of, in the game, Mm -hmm. six months. But, and you succeeded on five of them. Mm -hmm. And two of them, you were, and one you like really messed up. (laughs) Okay, well, what does that mean at the end, right? Mm -hmm. So, so you don't have just a fail state, right? At some point, it's like, yeah, you, it works really well when it does this. It still has problems going downstairs. Maybe you shouldn't try to use it inside of a building or whatever it is, right? And then you, that becomes then something that if a player wants to, then they could work on that even past when they've done that context. Like, man, I still got to figure that thing out. Yeah. I think also if there is a big thing that they want to figure out and like in your head as the GM, you know, this is the situation you want them to run into or the number they've got to hit or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? Letting them take continued runs at it. Yeah. Because not doing it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, you failed. It didn't blow anything up. You just didn't figure it out. Yeah. Right? Like that was, that's the, without giving any spoilers, if you haven't, I'm thinking about, <laughs> now I'm thinking about Station again, right? There's a big thing they finally figure out about their ship. Mm-hmm. But they tried a bunch of times, kind of unknowingly, and then they finally do it. And then it was like, oh, oh, and they figured out why it happened. And Uh they were like, oh, (laughs) right. So it's even better if they kind of like, if it's their idea, especially at the outset, like, I'm going to try to make this thing happen. Okay, that's going to be super hard. Yeah. Right. I think it's important. I think something you touched on there is really like important. Like there has to be, there can't just be a fail state. I think that's true of all physical challenges. And I think that might be one of the things that is hard about them. Like everybody hates, like like we joke all the time about like, oh, picking the lock on the door and oh, you failed. So everyone just sits there while you try again. Like it it just like brings everything to an absolute halt. So if you have these physical challenges in there, especially if it's like to get across a river or whatever it is, you have to have like 
like branching plans for what mm-hmm. can happen. It shouldn't just be, oh, it doesn't work. That's all. That's right. I hate that. It's yeah, I think worst. very rarely, right? If it's something where we're trying, we have to lift this thing up to get to their side of it. Well, we just physically can't lift it. Yeah. Okay, well, you have to know there's another way in yeah. that they can find, right? But yeah, for example, if you're trying to cross a river and you miss some roll, it's like, okay, what happens? Do you get swept further down the river? It doesn't mean you still don't get across. Maybe right. you don't get across where you thought you were going to. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's really funny when, and it's very much a trope when it's like, can't get through the door. Yeah. Right? Gonna try to open the door, can't get through. It's like, why is the door the hardest thing in this <laughs> yeah. entire... But there's, I mean, there's different ways to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they, they try to pick the lock and they miss it, it's like, yeah, you get it open, but it takes you a long time mm-hmm. and it's noisy. Yeah. Or as if time's important, make that a problem. If stealth is important, make that the problem. Yeah. Right? Just take the failure and make it a complication, not yes. a, not a just complete mess. Yeah. Tie it into the story. Like, I love the idea of like, you're, you get washed. One of you, well, suddenly it becomes a little bit of a rescue too, because right. someone like didn't quite make it swinging across the river. They're down. Okay. Now we have to grab them. So it doesn't, it doesn't just like hit a nothing. Cause that adds tension. That adds mm-hmm adventure that adds risk that adds excitement to your whole physical challenge which is the whole point of it so sometimes failures can be fun as long as they don't end in a dead end because those suck (laughs) so that's that's the biggest thing i think while you're planning these things and i think one thing you mentioned too is like plan multiple ways for it to work like I know, like you run a lot of like D and D and more trad games, so you actually like plan out sometimes. I do. I may be the planniest yeah, of, th- of all think, the hosts. Yeah, for now I think so. But I, but I also, but there's a reason I do that. Yeah. But yes. But and I, I'm not I saying that's it. bad. No, yeah. But I, like I've, I've come to acknowledge the fact that yeah, I'm planniest. That's totally fine. <laughs> and we all have our own vibes and the way we do it. And especially when you're doing games like D and D or Traveler and stuff, where there's so many more mechanics, if you're just doing stuff on the fly, you can break those things really easily if you're not, like, really, like, like, Mook was able to do that with GURPS. Like, he could just, like, improv GURPS, which Mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, But, yeah, it takes a lot to do that well in a way that doesn't make certain mechanics in the game pointless. Right. And especially when players are buying point-by stuff, and that's important. So, just acknowledging that planniness is not a negative thing. But in situations like that, you have to make sure that you like you don't come up with just one right answer. Yeah, there has to be multiple ones. If you're going to make something too heavy because you don't want just like the strong person to like lift it up by themselves, make it so you know it's like if they work together, they can do it. And then if they roll badly, oh, something happened, you slip or right pull your knee or whatever. There's lots of things you can right. tie in yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the thing too, is, you know, every game has their mechanics for that, right? It's like, you get a negative to your role. You have, you're, you have a level of exhaustion or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Where it's like, you can still achieve to some degree what you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. and get through that or a complication comes up or it's something that might not affect you until later, Yeah. right? Or it's like, yes, you got through, but now you're slower because mm-hmm. you pulled a muscle, right? You pulled a hamstring and it's like, yeah. Okay, I can do this, but now I, I can't do the next thing as well. Yeah, we have to come mm-hmm. with another way to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, and for me, the planning thing I came to realize is because <laughs> I've been in long form campaigns, which is what I'm doing now. Yeah, like I'm trying to tie a lot of stuff together. Yeah, and if I don't have an internal consistency, mm-hmm. then when I improv, which I do 
more than my planningness would lead you to believe. No, you, you, I do it yeah. a lot. Yeah. It, but I, I have to know yeah. kind of where everything is. Yeah. So I know when I do this thing and it goes over here, I know like where it's going to happen with. Yeah. And I found that was the biggest thing because like, God, my our Eberron game, we just did episode 70. Yeah. Which is crazy. And we're only we're only on 20 in Strixhaven. But yeah. it's like I'm trying to like tell a consistent story. <laughs> so when and sometimes I'm the only one who gets it, I feel. But when I drop a thing, yeah. right? I want them to be like, oh, oh my God, 30 sessions ago, that got teased. And then 22 sessions ago, then eight sessions ago. Like there has to be those moments <laughs> for the payoff for it to yeah. make sense. Yeah, for sure. Right. So that's why I do that. Plus, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Right. I know a lot of GMs know, and I can run Traveler or at this point, D&D or probably anything that I know the system well, mm -hmm. just drop of a hat for a one shot or for yeah. two or three sessions. Mm -hmm. But I think any, any set, anything that I'm running, no matter how even light or indie or however you want to think about mm -hmm. it, system is like, if I'm doing a lot of dense storytelling, yeah. like mm -hmm. I have for me, I have to plan it all out. Yeah. Then that's how I feel. That's my safety net to then yeah. improv over the top of stuff. Yeah. I think that's more like story blocking and like yeah. consistency more than like the log weighs exactly this much though. Yeah. Like I think which is like the difference between like what we're talking about, like with overarching stories and like planning a specific physical challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So and it should never be like like I love what you were saying about it makes them slower as they go through the dungeon or whatever right. it is. It's like, it should never be, they roll to lift the log. You can't lift it. Mm -hmm. Like that, like right. give them something else. Like you feel like you could lift, like it's, it's just a little bit too heavy. Like give them right. a little bit of information and some tidbits there. Yeah. So they think, yeah. Oh, I could get someone else to help me. And that could like, it's not, if you just say you can't lift it, they're like, Oh, well this is undoable. Then it doesn't give them the, right. the right. carrot of like, Hey, it's almost, you can almost lift right, it. Right, they don't, then the, the players don't think about, well, what no. can I do? How can I, how can yeah. I fix it if you just put the block up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, even the the test on the bridge that I talked about, I did not, because I don't, I can't think of everything, right? And I was like, oh, right, of course, they live in a dorm. They could go get help. I did not even think of that. <laughs> right. Not even in my mind when I wrote up the little yeah, test, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. I was like, I know what each person should do. I know the DCs mm -hmm. they have to roll. Yeah. That's what I've got, Right. And so they were like, we're going to go back and see if, and they named three really strong people in their dorms. I'm like, <laughs> one of them is going to be there. Yeah. Like, I can't go like, oh, they're all, sorry, they almost be gone. So one of them That's, was there. Yeah, that would be so they, they grab Greta and they come back and then she's like, yeah, this is great. Let's go. Right. Uh -huh. And I get to on the fly come up with goofy shit. And then, <clears throat> but I didn't then have the NPC who had the high level of strength do that part. Mm -hmm. I just told Katie, I said, okay. Uh, fear rolls with advantage. Yeah. Because you've got somebody helping you. Yeah. Right? Like, that was really smart, you guys. You gave yourself advantage. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And then they rolled really bad on the knot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, it would make a lot of sense for that knot to like, like, if they were higher level, mm -hmm. it would have fallen off when Kurt's character was suspended. Yeah. Right? Just would have slipped. And I was like, but then he's probably going to die. So I don't want to do that. Because <laughs> so <laughs> they get finished the whole thing. He makes his rolls to get back up. And then right as he stands up on the, the railing of the bridge, like whoop, the rope comes off and yeah. he starts to like uh, back a little bit. <laughs> but 
Adam Smiller was there. Yeah. It was a little burden. Kind of pushes his back. It's like a funny little, very in those characters moments. Yeah. Right. But it was like, okay, we we addressed everything that happened, mm-hmm. all the good roles, all the bad roles, all the smart stuff characters did. Mm-hmm. And to me, any of those things that come up is like, as the GM, like our responsibility mm-hmm. is to pay off players being smart. Yeah. We're like, I'm going to get help in the dorms. Okay. I've got to give them something for that. That's mm-hmm. a really smart idea. Yeah. Right. So pay that off. Right. And so if they, up against a challenge and they're like, well, we try this and it doesn't work. Give them something to figure out yeah. with it, right? Let them be smart. Yeah. And I think Rose in chat is bringing up um, masks and a couple things. I think it's really easy to get kind of in the weeds with like D&D as a great example of this because mm-hmm. um, we're so used to like, like challenges, like what we're talking about, like the door and things like that. But like this happened, like physical challenges like this can happen in masks too. Mm-hmm. Not every challenge in in mask that you present as the GM or the storyteller should be a combat necessarily. Yeah. Like especially as superheroes, like okay, a volcano is erupting somewhere and you need to stop it and like save the town, but you also have to kind of balance out. Okay, this is like the ecological like of this region. Like this is supposed to happen. Like mm-hmm. like volcanoes are supposed to erupt. Like like the ecology of the island or wherever it is, but like also depends on that. So you can't just completely stop it from erupting. So like adding like challenges like that where it's like they're having to balance out like stopping something but not not stopping it all the way, like saving people as much as possible with something that's not necessarily a villain. I think those physical challenges can actually be really great in games that like masks that maybe don't have like you don't have to worry about you know the strength roll and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. But to if you're rolling to unleash your power and you're trying to like you're in you know an ice superhero and you're trying to like just do it exactly the right amount and like not completely screwed up and you're a teenager and the the other superhero you have a crush on is also helping and they're like over there saving people and you want to look cool like oops i just froze the entire volcano right oh this island's ecology is boned unless we find a way to save it like so i feel like there's like a lot of cool stuff there where you can tie in these concepts and these ideas into all types of games it's Mm -hmm. not just traditional games where you're yeah. having to do specific skill roles. Yeah, uh-huh. it's really interesting. And, uh, you know, we're cheating and reading what Rose is writing <laughs> in, the, in the chat room. And and it's really interesting. I mean, being a designer as well, I'm always uh-huh. systems driven, so the mechanics are interesting to me. Yeah. But I think people that have played with me and hopefully have played in games I run also know that I am, I am very much about player choice and, like, going with narrative. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the number in, in a crunchy trad game like D&D, we will go numerous sessions without anybody picking up dice mm-hmm. or anybody thinking about like what's a role or like looking for skills or abilities on there because it's yeah. more about the role playing and stuff. And for me, the mm-hmm. challenge is in how I try to blend those two, mm-hmm. right? Where the mechanics, like the players are not subservient to the mechanics. Right, absolutely. Right? They're really important. And look, anybody who plays, not anybody, many people who play D&D, right, like the fact that they get in there with the numbers and like, hey, look at this cool combo I came up with, this different thing, because that's that's something that draws them to it, right? But fortunately, anybody that I play with, either in my campaigns or that I'm playing with streaming or whatever right now, like are very RP driven. Yeah. Right. So people are there for emotional choices and not really worried about like, here's my cool combo that I'm doing. Right. Though 
again, it's so important though. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're playing those systems and like we, I play like every couple of years, I get my itch to play D and D again. And when you're playing those systems, like that matters. Mm-hmm. Like we're playing wild talents right now in one of the APs. Like that's a pretty crunchy system. And while like there's, it's a very emotional game. Like it's a point by system. So you put points in all the things you spend things. So it's like, you want all those mechanics to work right. correctly. So it's not an if, like an uh, this or that. It's not like, oh, it's a crunchy system with like where we want to pay attention to all how the nuance of how all these mm-hmm. things work together or RP. Like they're all role playing games, yeah. especially yeah. the way our group tends to run them. So it's like paying attention to the, the balance of these techniques can be done in like rules light systems, yeah. like quote rules light systems or in crunchy systems mm-hmm. because they're it's good GMing tactics. Like, yeah. These ideas of how can I challenge my players, get them to work together, build camaraderie in a way that's not just fighting things all the time because that gets old no matter what. Yeah, I think for for me in crunchy games, mm. right, which the the crunchy thing I'm playing right now is D&D, right, is that all of the system stuff, especially when players are doing it when I'm GMing or I'm thinking about something to do mm-hmm. with my characters, for me is like a big puzzle. Yeah. Right. So it's not about like, oh, here's the mechanics I, I need to do. I just don't think about that way. It's more like, what's the interesting thing I'm trying to have happen? What's mm-hmm. the puzzle I'm trying to find the solution for? Yeah. And there's something that in one of my games, one of my players wants to do. And I'm like, that's totally cool. I want to support you. That is an amazing story thing you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, so I've said, like, yeah, I'm going to make it happen. And now it is a big puzzle for me. To mm-hmm. figure out how to make it happen, knowing the mechanics, mm-hmm. right? Because the thing that's in, that is the interesting challenge for me in that is looking at what can all those players do. What do I think they'll do in the, to stop the situation from happening that the player actually wants to have happen, mm-hmm. but not have it feel like I'm putting them on a railroad, right? So I find that fun. Right? Yeah, I totally get. That there are many people that don't find that fun, right? <laughs> but I also is equally find it fun to be like all just completely like very rules, less rules intensive, mm-hmm. right? Rules light, have everyone think about it. Types of systems like PBTA systems, like masks, like, you know, just like, this is great. This is, I'm just doing this stuff. And then at some point, yeah, I guess there is a mechanic that becomes involved. Mm-hmm. I guess some dice are going to hit the table, but that's not really what it's about. I ran Monster of the Week during, during the height of COVID and I'd never run a PBTA mm-hmm. game. And it was like, wow, this is so fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a great time. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I was doing it that differently. Uh-huh. I just didn't yeah. every now and then have to go like, oh, mm, yeah, you probably have to make an inside check. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like, oh, that happens. Isn't you know? Yeah. And, and candidly, half the time I forget to do that in crunchy games. Like, <laughs> yeah. we just go, we just roll past it. Yeah. I've had players like, oh, should I roll something for that? Oh, yeah, I guess you should. You yeah. probably, yeah, right. We have dice. Yeah, I guess let's do that. I did that with Unsung Tales all the time. Like, <laughs> it was just like into the story and talking about elves being amazing and beautiful. And then someone was like, okay, I want to do this. Oh, that sounds great. Should I roll something? Yeah, absolutely. You should do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. I can't just say, yeah, just tell me the story of what you're doing right now. That's right. Um, but yeah. <laughs> all right. Fantastic great email. Thank so you, So good. See, sometimes the shorter emails even can like just have like so much discussion. Yeah, shorter emails. I mean, it's like half a page. It's not a lot. No, that's a fantastic. That is, that is downright terse compared yeah. to where we are about to venture. Let us let us go. All right, mailbag number two. 
Hello to the entire Happy Jacks crew, especially those present. It's been a long year, and I'm too tired to write up a pithy greeting or typeset a Mad Lib intro. So I'm going to go with a big hello. I love the regular episodes, but I really, really, really love the convention episodes. This is so much fun to see, audibly. Everyone with soot on their faces, pie in their hair, their hats askew, or missing. Hearing the description of the games and even uh, Jim's con report, it's all just so much fun. I've been gaming for decades, and the last con I attended was Gen Con East 2. Wow. That was 1982. Wow. That event was like one of Stu's stories, and I'll only tell it in person with beer. (laughs) After your last con report, I decided I was going to do it. I was going to... I have no idea. I have got... Uh, that's what it says on the email. That wasn't right. just me. Yeah. I said no, no, it. I right. said it very convincingly. Yeah. I said, yeah. like, by okay. the way, if at any point you need to tag team over, this is Gibeon in yeah, length. It's long. Folks, yeah. so I will definitely up. tag out. Buckle up. Yeah, and 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 we can pause at points and discuss things. <laughs> All right, good, good. Okay, I got on the net and searched around NYC for a gaming convention. I didn't find any TTRPG conventions in town, but after a few frustrating days, I discovered two options I could get to easily by commuter rail. They were both on dates where I could wrestle free from my production schedule. I worried about the logistics and timing of a couple days, and my partner finally told me, dude, it's real life. Buy a badge. If something comes up, you made a donation to support the industry. Cashing that reality check, I bought my badge, did a happy dance, and put it on the calendar and mentally logged a couple months from now, and then promptly forgot about it. Life happened. Shows loaded on, shows loaded out, and a couple months turned to a couple weeks, and an email came in, and I signed up for some stuff and forgot about it. My partner asked me if I'd bought my train tickets, which, of course, I hadn't. I checked. I could buy them online, at the station or on the train, so no problem there. I got busy, and some family things happened. A couple weeks went by. So, are you ready for the con, my partner asked, and I said, holy crap, I'm going to a con in 44 hours. (laughs) Moment to start planning. (laughs) All right, tag. I did a map study on Google Earth. I measured the ground distance I'd have to walk from the train station. I compared it to known distances in my neighborhood. I walked them in real life to check timing. I printed a map. I went to the grocery store for snacks and protein bars. I checked the weather report. I printed my schedule. I I chose clothes. I started packing bags. I went into full planning and prep mode. The night before, my partner asked me if I was ready. And was I excited? I told her, I am totally ready. But are you excited? She asked. I said something that sounded like a breathless five-year-old on a pixie stick bender (laughs) who just got to ride the Batmobile. Yes, I was excited. (laughs) Following my usual cycle, I looked at the... The best description. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's great. It's amazing. Props to that. Following my usual cycle, I looked at my overstuffed day pack and shoulder bag and had a personal internal staff meeting. Dude, you were going to a major hotel by train for one day of meetings. You are not going to Antarctica for the winter. (laughs) I dumped everything on the floor and repacked for a day trip. I ended up with a half full day pack. Now I was really ready. I ran into town, did my show, and listened to RPG podcasts on the subway ride home to get in the right brain space. I made myself sleep, used several points in professional skill, sleep, and critted (laughs) on the roll. At 6 a.m., I rolled out of bed and autopiloted myself through an early start, also using professional skill. Wake halfway through commute. <laughs> On Friday, November 3rd, a few minutes after 8, I walked into the lobby of the Morristown, New Jersey, Hyatt Regency and right up to the badge pickup for Metatopia. Oh. 
I was I, attending my first con in four decades. This is a con report. Okay, Metatopia is like my dream con. I missed it this year. I was so upset. It is like the goal of all like indie RPG designers. Like that is the game you go to to sit down. You never know who's going to be at your table. Some other famous indie designer will probably sit down and like, that was my goal. And we could have gamed together, but I'm sorry that my life just did not allow me to go this year. I'm going next year for sure. And so this random... This random con he found randomly online is actually a really amazing con. <laughs> so good job. <laughs> uh, and as explained in the email, in case anybody anybody doesn't know what Metatopia oh, there you is, go. I'll explain. <laughs> this is great. Metatopia is the game designer's playtest convention. People take their board, LARP, or RPG games in development and present them for testing and brainstorming. I think of it as the backwards con, because at most cons, you buy your badge, and you get points or something for each game you run towards a discount on a free badge. Mm-hmm. At Metatopia, you pay more to be a presenter. Yeah. And if you just want to go as a player, it's only 20 bucks for four days. Yeah. You will also be in high demand. Designers want you to try and break their game. There are also a ton of panel discussions and roundtables about gaming topics. Yeah. Registration was fast and easy. Con policy this year was masked and vaxxed, and there was no room for discussion. I love that. Given how many people in our general community are immune compromised in some way, I thought it was awesome and caring. Yep. They had pre-made and blank pronoun ribbons to attach to your badge and great pride-colored gamer ribbons, too. Metatopia is very clear about being inclusive and safe. They mean it. What a lovely, welcoming, diverse community. All right, I'm going to tag back over to you. Uh, I have to go next year. I am so sad I couldn't go this year. By luck, the first panel discussion I signed up for was how to present a game for playtesting, led by Melissa Lewis Gentry, MLG, and Kurt Covert of Smirk and Dagger Games. All the basics were rapidly presented, but the conversation quickly went to eliciting and working with feedback. It was amazing to hear. Most important thing is to be clear about what you want tested and then frame that well. My next event was in that same room with the game in the same genre, How to Be a Great Playtester, along with Kurt Covert, joined by Kat Miller of Indie Games Explosion. MLG was in the audience this time. Topic focused on what the designers really were looking for and how to help them get it. It was a masterclass in what I should do at Metatopia, and it was super helpful. The key here is to listen, accept the premise, take notes, and answer the question that is asked. Also, Be good about what the designer asks you to not disclose. I had a gap in my schedule, and I ended up talking with Kat Miller and her husband, Michael, for quite a a while. Oh, and Vincent Baker. I got to tell him that my absolute favorite PBTA game is Apocalypse World. I also let him know that it's several other games of theirs. He graciously signed my hardcover, a copy of Apocalypse World, and I started to find Meg, too. All four of us went to a panel and teaching GMing skills, and some software that was being developed for it. This is where I got a really great taste for the rigor of the community. There were half a dozen well-known designers in the room and about a dozen others. Everyone with a social sciences degree or a stat background asked questions. Wow, that was kind and kind of brutal. For example, what is your sample size? And how are you controlling for self-selection bias? And the presenters thanked everyone at the end and said, that's why we brought this here. And they were in alpha and not ready to go beyond that. Yeah, it's really like the amazing place to go for that. I rolled out of there, skipping lunch and shoving a protein bar in my cheek pouches. I have those, right? 
and right into a contract law panel led solo by Eric Wayland, a lawyer from California who did not give legal advice to several New York game designers (laughs) in New Jersey. That's funny. (laughs) Retained rights, work for hire, and licensing were discussed. In the end, GoPro, uh, get a pro to look it over was the core of the advice. Since a few bucks spent with everyone likes each other, save several zeros of that stop, if that stops. Quick aside, the room we were in had been getting colder all morning. Halfway through the session, the room was mittens cold, and I loaned a layer to a, the one woman staff of Ninth Level Games. We all bonded over that. Ninth Level <laughs> Games is so good. They do the amazing card game, All Women Are Werewolves. It's really cool, and they also do a great kids game called Horseshoe Academy, which is horses in a horse school. Is really it's like, like I like it. Game. I like it so much. It's like magical horses, and it's very cool. They have like it's very good. It's very good, and they're just really fantastic people. And whenever I have like, hey, I'm a baby game publisher company. I have a question. They're really nice. I'm like, hi, okay, this is who we do this with. I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, oh man, all women are werewolves is one of those beautiful decks. It's so beautiful. Nice. nice. My panels were all done by midday, and I'm glad I did them all. Very informative, useful, and round robin. Everyone was presenting their strengths and learning where they could be. Metatopia is a tight community, but very open and welcoming. Everyone is there to break games and help fix them. The first two panels I attended showed me what the standards were, but actually seeing it was serious, oh, I get it moment. Also, just a note, um, a lot of the Metatopia (laughs) panels are available in podcasts. Like, Mm. they collect them. I think it's called the Game Designers Panel Cast. Then you can go back. I'm, like, in the middle of listening to some of them from, like, 2020. So it's, like, a whole big series. And some of them are amazing. Like, just so helpful. Some of them are like, meh, okay. But, like, yeah, they're available if you're interested. The second half of my day was actual playtesting. The sessions are are short and intense, being two hours. The focus is on the specific things that are laid out in the beginning of the session. There's little over an hour of play and then half an hour of discussion and feedback. It sounds intense and it is, but there's still room to role play and it's a whole lot of fun. Or maybe that's just if you're a forever GM rule and rules tinkerer like me. My first game was Rexploration by Jason Petrie. <laughs> it's a rules expansion on his game After the War. The play test was tightly focused. We tested the Rex scavenging system and helped Jason try some things. It was amazing to see him listen to our feedback and redesign on the fly. We really worked it over with the technical detail. It is a solid story-focused game with robust yet simple mechanics behind it. This expansion will be a must-have if you like the base game. Jason is a solid GM and very interesting designer with unearthly math skills. <laughs> After the war has been out for a while, it is a very tight mechanical system and is built to encourage story development. I bought a copy of the first playtest. Wow, that's awesome. That's right? amazing. And that's really, they really do that. I was talking with my friend Stephanie who does Threadbare. It's a PBTA mm-hmm. game. And like being, it was like described to me at the last strategic con, like, okay, you have to go to Metatopia. You have to like go and you make, you have a list of like what you want to test. And you have to have a, like, it's not like, like most cons, you're like, I'm going to run my game for you. And you're going to tell me what you think. It's like, you need to know what you want to test. You need to like have pre-gens ready that are ready to like to do that thing. Say, okay, we're starting here. Do the thing. You don't do any. She's like, unless you're like doing world building as the thing you're testing, don't mess with them. Don't let them like make their characters. 
It's not about necessarily them playing. It's about you getting your hour of breaking something. Mm -hmm. And it's like everyone goes in. It's so valuable. Yeah, it's amazing. Which So sad I didn't go. But it's so cool to hear about like a player, someone on the player side, because you listen to it and you're like, why would like players want to go to this? Like, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds amazing. Sounds like I should go like just to play the first year right? and not even worry about like... Yeah, go sit in yeah. panels, meet some of these people like face-to-face, yeah. play. And that's the other thing too, is like even playing in it, you're going to see yeah. how people that have done this a bunch of times, mm-hmm. like how they set up their hour. Yeah. Like they're super valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Tech. From there, I jogged across the hotel to a private meeting room where Kevin Culp was presenting Loot the Kingdom. I got there and four people with pink presenters badges were already seated. Kevin greeted me warmly and asked me, are you here to loot the kingdom? I said, hell yes. And he gestured me to a seat. (laughs) Nice. Uh, There was friendly chatter while we waited for one person. The wait was short and another designer joined us. I felt like a freshman sitting at the seniors table for a second. (laughs) But then Kevin explained the game to us and handed out pre-gens. It was just a table full of gamers. We started with a collaborative world building and then were off and playing. The moment a swashbuckler landed in front of me, I could hear C.A. Dave's voice in my head saying, it's a con, drive it like you stole it. <laughs> I did that and leaned into the whole thing. It was a fantastic, though short session. I had a great time with everyone. We got along amazingly well, especially when you add in that not everyone knew each other. Mm-hmm. Loot the Kingdom is in beta and will be kickstarted sometime in the spring if everything goes to plan. I can't tell you anything about the mechanics or specific details beyond it's amazing for a one-shot but can support a story arc structure just fine. The rules are easy to learn and support a lot of customization of character. You're up and running fast. It's a tight design that supports and rewards story and role play. My last game of the day was In the Dark by David Brunel Brutman. It's a Blades in the Dark distillation. This was a real smoke test. David handed the game over to us along with a four-page adventure frame to give us some material and coached us into the start. Only three of us had anything close to exposure to Blades in the Dark. Kevin Culp, who joined us as a player, had played a one-shot. The beautiful human to my right had read the book in detail, and I played Scum and Villainy once. None of the other three players had any idea about Blades in the Dark. One of us was going to have to GM this. The group of us discussed it quickly, and Kevin volunteered. He's a really good GM, and the test would have crashed on takeoff without him. We all had a great time stealing a painting during the loadout of a museum gala. We had a blast and flexed the rules hard. David is a graphics designer by trade, and his layout shows it. The goal of this design is really hard to achieve, but he has a workable system. It's been released on DriveThruRPG as a live beta, and if you know Blades well, you'll love it. I had a great time with the system, and even more so with the players. After drifting out of the game room, a bunch of people condensed into the hotel bar, and the con really started. <laughs> we talked for a couple of hours in that pub free-for-all way. It was gold. I discovered that most of the other people with the blue player badges were either designers not presenting this year, or were associated with some designer. I commented on that to a small group and was informed, oh, this is just your first trip to get the lay of the land. Yeah. You'll probably buy a pink badge next year. Mm-hmm. The community makes you want to create. I made a bunch of friends, swapped a lot of contact info and stories, and had an amazing single day and made it back to NYC and into my own bed just before 5 a.m., oh. happy and exhausted. Oh. Things that worked. Mm-hmm. Better gaming through office supplies, Yay. specifically index cards. Do what the presenter asks and take notes while you do it. Mm-hmm. Accept the premise with the enthusiasm of a puppy. <laughs> Drive it like you stole it. Yep. Take snacks. Drink water. Things that did not work. Going for only one day. <laughs> New Jersey Transit. Oh. 
That was just my experience, and I hope it was enlightening or at least entertaining. I'm definitely going back next year. Mm-hmm. I think I like this con thing. Mm-hmm. In solidarity, Muddy Boots from NYC. P.S. Congratulations to everyone who just got a new contract. Best wishes to everyone in arts and entertainment. Woo! P.P.S. Kimmy, Kitar, Kitar. Really? Like you need more nerd cred? <laughs> yeah. P.P.P.S. The episodes are way too short, focused, and sober. <laughs> well, I want to say, uh, Money Boost, you helped us on the too short. Too short. Yeah. You tonight. Did. Thank yeah. you very much. Very yeah. much. So yeah, I can't. I just like wow. <sighs> new con on the list. That sounds incredible. It's so, it's it's like everyone talks about it. It's like, and they, their voice gets like, especially like designers, like their their voice just gets like reverent. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It literally sounds to me like the first GDC, mm-hmm. right? Which I've been around long enough to have gone to, <laughs> where we would go in, there were small round tables. It was all people that were making the game, sitting around talking about them. Afterwards, we went to the bar. Mm-hmm. Then we just talked more about game design. I sat and played like longest day for like five hours at a bar <laughs> table, like with other like very well-known game designers. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is nuts, mm-hmm. right? Because I had just, I was just getting started. And it was amazing, mm-hmm. right? And and that's where you find it, what it sounds like from this wonderful description of Metatopia it's that same kind of thing. There's people who you're like, oh my God, I played your game. It's incredible. Like, I love all your stuff. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. Hey, let's talk about games and stuff. And like, I want to play a thing with you. Yeah. Right? Like you find out that under under it all, like everybody just wants to play games. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Yeah. And Vincent and Marjorie Baker are amazing. They were so generous with their time and very Mm -hmm. just like down to earth. They were at Big Bad Con. If you're on the West Coast and you can't make it to Metatopia, Big Bad Con is kind of like that. It's like, it's an amazing con. It has a lot of great things about it. It does not have the intense playtest culture that Metatopia has fostered. Like they have designed their con to be about that. Big Bad Con has a lot, is really great for indie designers. It is not like a tight, like feedback loop about mm-hmm. gaming, but it's kind of in that same vein of vibe for cons. Mm-hmm. And they were both there and they were just so great about it. And they were really like, they were doing like a breakfast chat with a bunch of us at one point, which started off as like a handful of people. And pretty soon you look up and there's like 30 people standing around the table, like just listening to them talk about stuff. Um, And their biggest thing was like, just hang out with other designers, Mm -hmm. like talk to them, talk about like any game, talk about Monopoly with them, not talk about anything with them. Cause that like having just that group that you're like hanging out and meeting with, like that will like spark creativity. Mm-hmm. Even if mm-hmm. they just talk and they give you ideas that you will never actually use, knowing what you don't want to have also is very helpful in the creation process. Like just yeah. like little gems like that. You're like, oh yeah. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just amazing. And just being around like an environment like that, that is, that has those safety things in place to try and break things. Mm-hmm. It's really stressful to, to play test at a con. Because you want to ensure that these people have a great time while you also want to know where your game fails. Right. But that's the whole idea. Yeah. Metatopia so, is like, no, no, I'm gonna, we're gonna just brutalize this thing for an hour. Yeah. So it, it's like right. it takes that pressure off. Right. And people are there to do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, and they have that right. set up for it too. It's like a 
a tight protocol for doing mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. which is really, really helpful. Because there's been t- cons where I've been running Starscape in the last year or two, where I'm like, okay, I know it feels a little weird right now, but I want to try this thing. So someone's going to attack you. And it's like, so it's fine. And most of the time people are cool with it because they sign up because I always mark it's a play test before people sign up. Right. So no one's ever caught off guard. Like, what do you mean this isn't a completely polished, edited, perfect game? But uh, I don't know. That's my rando voice. Everything. Guy, you got to do a character like <laughs> yeah. that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That'd be amazing. So good. It just talks like this. and that, I... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no. I was so, so sad that I did not make it to Metatopia. And I really... Well, yeah, you got yeah. a thing I, on the next, list. Yeah, next year. You don't, we don't, you don't get to everything. We didn't LARP this year. We talked about that we did. in the summer. We're like, yeah. we're going to LARP. <laughs> yeah. Well, like we can't even make like multiple hour episodes. We're too tired no. and old yeah. now. Yeah. I'm like, like, oh, I get to the end of the day, <laughs> get the kid to bed, and then it's like have dinner or whatever. Yeah. And then I'll be like, oh, I have a 9 p.m. meeting. Oh, God. Yeah. Like I just, I just, <laughs> I flamed out huge in a meeting this week because it was like we didn't start till nine o'clock. Oh. I got like to 9.30 and I was like, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Like I cannot, I just can't turn it on right now. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, I don't know, I'm just be leaving this meeting and it's a creative design thing and I'm just, I'm sorry. Like I'm just kind of, <laughs> Yeah. I can't do it. I yeah. can't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit better now that we're not on Fridays. Fridays, sure. I was so burned. Like, yeah. it was just like, oh, man, like getting my kid picked up and then like quick feeding them and like trying to it's just like after a full day of like working with like many, many, many children. And it's just like, oh, so it's better now. I feel like, OK, I don't know. Could you let loose? And yeah, we'll try. We'll endeavor to have longer episodes, I suppose. Not, I I, no promises. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's <clears throat> one thing I found that, like, I need a mix. Yeah. Right? And if any show, no matter how good it is, yeah. goes beyond like, a certain amount of time, I'm like, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's an interesting side effect of work at home and, like, mm-hmm. my big old long commutes. Woo, I love it. Give me a three, four hour show to listen to. I'll knock that out a couple days yeah and now i'm like i look at something that's like three hours 47 minutes i'm like i'm i'm never gonna listen to that <laughs> like i tried with campaign three mm-hmm. i started a critical role and then i got it but then i was like oh, i can't i can't do four hour episodes four and a half hours doesn't matter every that table's fantastic yeah love them mm-hmm. i can't do it yeah but then like some of my favorite ones are like one and two hour yeah and i'm like I can do that. Yeah. Like I can fit that in. I can do that whenever. Like that fits my life now. Yeah. Right. See, I don't mind when things are chopped up. I know I've mentioned it before, but I'm like obsessed on like cults and like mm-hmm. like conspiracy theory, like podcasts about all that yeah. stuff. One of my favorite is Paranoid Strain, mm. which they do like half hour to hour episodes, but they like they've been doing it for years now and they'll do like 18 or 20 episodes all on a single topic. Right. Then they will release it in a large chunk. Right. And that's what I tend to listen to. Like, not when I can't. Right. So you can binge it if you want. Yeah. 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 yeah, Which I love because I'm such a binger. Like, I don't, I like the idea of, and it's bothering me right now because I'm watching The Gilded Age Mm because costume drama, of course I am. Like, it's so annoying to wait till next week for a next episode. (laughs) I don't like it. Right. Like, don't mm. like it. No. Yeah. Um, It's, it's really interesting. I list uh, so Forgotten Paths is mm-hmm. one that was two, and it has my lawyer friend Noah is the GM on it, um, who also has done like a ton of legal work in the tabletop industry and video games too. And uh, Noah's wonderful. He's a great GM, and yeah, they have hour episodes, 
And the main campaign they ran through was a 60 episode arc, which sounds super daunting. And I'm like, oh, no, like you can knock that out in like a couple, three weeks of dedicated listening or maybe a month or so. And it's really good. Like I learned a lot as a GM listening to how he like not railroading his players at all, but could focus on this is what I want to get to in the next 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was really interesting, right? Because to figure out how he did that. And I got to guest on one of the shows and all he told like his players, the beginning of the episode I was in, he's like, at some point an offer is going to be made to you. I need you to take it. And Mm -hmm. they're like, okay. Yeah. Right. Cause they knew that like, that's how the, the story's going to progress. Yeah, yeah. And so when the thing that was obviously an offer got made, they're like, okay, yeah, let's go do it. And I was like, wow, that was great. Cause it didn't feel railroady. Yeah. He just was like, Hey, there's going to be a story. There's a guest on a thing's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen or yeah. it's going to go. And where it went was not necessarily where he planned that it might go. Yeah. But he's like, all I need you to do is that when this happens, just like, Take the thing. Yeah. Like, yes, and know, yes, and it. Yes, and it. And they're like, okay, great. Yeah. And and it's such a great story, like really fun to listen to. Yeah. And I think very rare in stream shows, at least, maybe in just regular games around the table, it's that amnesia campaign. Mm. So the players start with blank character sheets. That's cool. And in the first episode, like one of them at some point realizes it's not human. <laughs> That's it's like, cool. It's like, what? Uh, and so it's really neat to see them figure all this stuff out as they go through so yeah yeah, yeah. it's really it's really neat that's awesome yeah at some point i want to run uh skeletons Uh, Mm. i love that that system i know we've talked about it before where it's like you are the the skeletons in a dungeon and you like go sleep and you're actually supposed to according to the rules like lay on the table (laughs) and then when the the like adventurers come in you fight them off because you're defending right. the dungeon. Right. And then you go back to sleep and then like you figure out who you used to be through That's the really game. cool. It's really cool because you used to be an adventurer. Sure. And you, you were somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that that concept of like like working backwards. Yeah. That's also why I like lesson planning. Black- <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, you know, yeah. backwards yeah. curriculum design, backwards lesson planning. You finish out where everything ends, like what you want them mm-hmm. to know, and you go backwards and like how do we get there? Right. And so I tend to plan a lot of campaigns and stuff that way. Right, like where do I want it to end up? Yeah. 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 I tend to get, I tend to be very like story point. Like I want to get them here. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I know where, like right now in my Eberron campaign, like I know where like the big payoff for like the meta arc one is. Mm. And the players kind of know what that's going to be too. Yeah. But there's definitely been points, right? And I think that's one of the things that that actually is very non-mechanical about the way I run it is mm-hmm. that I use the milestone. Yeah. Like I don't sit and grind numbers yeah. and like, did they have enough combats and mm, well, I don't get XP for that. It's like all no, there's story arcs. Yep. And when we hit those, if you like get to a neg- big story arc in like three sessions, ding, congratulations, right. you just leveled <laughs> up. If it takes you 17, ding, then okay, you leveled yeah. up, right? <laughs> and I think the thing that's interesting is when it's driven by the story and by character, like characters, uh, like not mechanical progression, but them as, as characters, Mm -hmm. like you care less about the mechanics, Mm -hmm. which is really fascinating in any kind of game. So I don't know. I just, I like, that's kind of why I like even as mechanical as I, as I think about stuff where it's like, yeah, you don't really necessarily, it's not about putting points into things. Yeah. It's not about getting a thing. It's, 
like there's not really a power curve mm -hmm. you get to. There's a story that's going to happen. Yeah. Make it a little better at doing stuff and things like that, right? Which yeah. is why I've wanted to play in a masks campaign. Yeah. I've done some one shots. And it's hard. So Rose. Yeah. Rose or Steffi or also. Steffi. Yeah. Uh, that's actually uh, leads segues perfectly into our final email. You read the, okay, I'll, I'll I don't care. Whatever, no, no, because you, you finished the last email, so. All right. Mailbag number three. Greetings, Wonder Kimmy and the Rogues Gallery of Hosts. I like that. It is I, Steffi, from Scotland. Forever ago, in season 31, episode seven, I asked for advice on giving advice. The void of YouTube advice for masks the next generation was pushing me to be the change I want on the internet. As you asked for a follow-up, I wanted to let you know that I got my act together and I started a channel. Hey! Hey! Time of writing, I have three videos up. Following your advice, I started with a short videos about the playbooks. Kimmy's advice was to use a gimmick for branding. My gimmick is my art. I am drawing a character for the playbook based on the merge of a DC and Marvel character. Ooh. I love that so much. Ooh, that. Is one of them going to be my favorite? I hope, mm -hmm. I hope so. I'm a little bit by my favorite. I adore my Trinity super teens that I have so far. Thank you to Kimmy, Rose, and Adam for their advice and enthusiasm. If you're up for free advertising, the URL is youtube.com at little-hill-comics. So if you go to YouTube, they use the at symbol now. Mm -hmm. It's like they're trying to be like Twitter. I don't know. But so well, I you, mean, whatever. They're not yeah, using it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. So you do at and then little-hill-comics on YouTube. And that is Steffi from Scotland. Yay! Yay, Steffi! We're so excited! Woo, woo, woo. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. I'm so excited that you're doing that. And uh, I'm so excited to share that and like get people to watch your stuff because Mask is awesome and running it well. Like a lot of people run, like it's a hard system to really not do well. Mm -hmm. Like so much of it is like embedded into the mechanics. Mm -hmm. Like if people are into it, like they have a great time and, and it's great. But like, there's also like a little bit of like an art to it and knowing like, okay, this, like breaking down all the playbooks and how they really work because that is how, as a GM, you can like really weave the drama between them. And like they do it by themselves anyway. But it helps if you can just like turn up the volume a little bit. And if you know the system well, it's just like, turn it up until you get cold and then they come and tell you to turn it down. Okay, turn it down. <laughs> until they leave and then you turn it back turn up again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that is so awesome, Sebi. That is, I'm very proud of you. That's fantastic. So, yeah. So, Great segue there, Bill. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's almost like I read ahead. Almost like you did, yeah. <laughs> Seven videos are there as of today, according yeah. to chat. Yeah. Yeah, Steffi wrote this a little while ago. <laughs> but it's good. But yeah, I mean, Masks is a fantastic system and does what it means to do really, really well. Mm -hmm. I find it works best, at least for the games I've been in, like five to seven. I've GM'd like 12 session games of it um, and it works that long, but a lot of PBTA burns out fast. You've got to have people who are really into it and not really mm -hmm. caring about the leveling up so much. Right. Which is most people who play Mask. Most people mm -hmm. who play Mask play it for the juicy drama part of right. it. But that's, see, but that's great. Like not every game system should be, can be or whatever, but like this, like, oh, we're on... Session 140, we've been playing for 12 years or whatever. Yeah. It's like, we got in, we told an amazing story, eight sessions, mm -hmm. right? We left and you're like, oh my God, that 
to me, that's the difference to like British television yeah. and US television. Yeah. Right. And I love British television. Yeah. And you're there and you watch it and you're like, oh my God, that was the most intense roller coaster eight episodes I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I hope they do another eight, but I'm not. So like, oh, I'm on season 11. I'm on season 35 of CSI. Right, where it's like, oh, the same characters. I've actually followed them an entire, like an entire actual career in the police. Like, how did that person not get promoted in 35 fucking years? Right. <laughs> and so I love that. I love that concept. Like, it's going to be this long. Yeah. And that's going to be this story. Mm-hmm. Rose is you mad know? at me. It's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Masks can work long form. <laughs> but again, like, if you're looking for people who, it, like, it depends on your who you're playing with. Like, people who are in it just for the drama and, like, drawing things out. Like, the game has a specific number of advancements you can take and things like that. So, like, if your players want to play for that long, they absolutely can. But a lot of players and a lot of playgroups who aren't maybe as amazing as your playgroup bros, which I'm biased because, like, you had Adam and Joey and a bunch of people in there who are amazing. <laughs> yeah. But, like, who aren't leaning into it that much start to kind of sometimes see things stagnate, which is not to say it's a universal experience. No, I don't want to hurt the masks. People have to love you. And a lot of times that's not the system. Yeah. That's just people are like, right. mm, well, I kind of did my thing. And most PBTA games are not designed to be like super, like you said, like super long. It's just not written in the rules. There are some that are designed differently. I've done a lot of thinking about this because it's one of the things I'm designing differently specifically for Starscape. Like I've added a ton of like things to extend the time of the campaign out. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. as you level in PBTA, but as you take advancements, it starts taking more experience to get mm-hmm, in the next mm-hmm. advancement. So it gets harder. And then there's like a, lar- a bigger menu of different things you can choose from right. and things like that. Just because I want I want it to play longer for people who are expecting those advancements to be a right. part of a longer campaign like that. So I don't know. It's something. <laughs> Rose says it's too late. Oh. We've got a blood feud. Oh, yeah. I mean, that'd be a good fight. Honestly. It would be a hell of a really fight. We could sell some fight. tickets to that shit. Yeah. Like, come on. Come like, on. Oh, man. Well, pay-per-view streaming yeah. action right there. Yeah, and then we'll just be all super bloody and like just go out for a drink afterwards. That's It'll right. be fucking That's amazing. Right. We'll just like, like the the two like warriors like clinking oh. their glasses like That's with right. their like arms and slings and a little bit of blood. That's right. Like, That's right. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that is it for tonight. Woohoo, we did it. We did it. Season 33, we did it. We got here. Thank you for joining us for Season 33, Episode 1. Please support our amazing Indie Designer of the Month, Kurt Potts. You can find them at kurtpotts.itch.io or lighthearted.games. Thank you to our amazing chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons, who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. But we've started rolling out now regularly. D8 supporters and above get our monthly nerding out chats, which are just super random and really fun, actually. I'm really excited about them. Right. If you missed like the long, drunken, rambling yeah, type thing, this is, is the, you got to get on the Patreon and get the nerding out. Yeah, we just it. posted the one for November that was about like attending nerdy cons. And Dave has the best fucking stories. Yeah, I mean, anytime oh you God. can sit and have some drinks with Dave and just get stories rolling, yeah, that's worth that in itself worth four Amazing. bucks a month. Amazing! Like he punched Leonard Nimoy once by accident at Comic Con. <laughs> like he just so like good. he just like 
if anyone else was telling the story, I'd be like, that's fucking bullshit. But yeah, Dave but is Dave, just yeah. like, mm-hmm. you're of course. just like, good. Of course did. Yeah. It's like, of course. Of course. Oh man. So it was, it was so much fun. And then the one for October we did um, was a panel all about different costuming. Nice. Uh, and like, we got a bunch of people commenting, like, even though I don't really care about costuming, it was very interesting to hear people who are super passionate about it. Just like talk about it like that. Cause it's not like at an advice show or anything. We just, yeah, you just pick a topic and go. And like go yeah. and t- share fucking weird one. stories. It was so good. But it's been really, really fun. And we're doing one of those a month. And then we also are doing a con wrap or a con wrap. Sorry, I'm still thinking about Dave's Comic Con stories. <laughs> uh, our campaign wrap up episodes where we just talk about stuff. Uh, I am trying to wrangle the world ends on Thursday to record theirs. It's going to happen eventually. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. No, it, it, it's scheduled. No. Okay. 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 All right. Schedule is a promise. Schedule is a promise meant to be broken. Again, yeah, that's <laughs> all my friends grind into dust. I love it. It's fine. And yeah, it's just like fun stuff. And then every month we do. Oh, and uh, the D20 backers. I'm actually working on getting a campaign of stars. <laughs> Speaking of playtesting, I'm using our wonderful Patreons as my playtesters for hopefully a uh, Starscape campaign that's going to start up in the next week or two. So nice. yay, thank you. But there's still spaces in that game. So if you suddenly want to become a D20 hey, backer. Incentive. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, yeah happyjacks.org slash Patreon. But yeah, so and Patreon helps us keep the lights on, keeps our mini fridge full. Even if we're not drinking as much as you'd like to, maybe if you supported us and we had more beer, we would be a little more ramply. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of my white wine, which you know is like my bad thing. Anyway. Yes. So we love you, Patreons. You keep us going. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. So thank you to our, I already said thank you to James V, who's also awesome. And yeah. So my name is Kimmy. My name is Bill. Today we are ending with a very special song. So Racer Sunshine, Elspeth, who has been on shows before, is connected with Bill. Yeah, we're married. Yeah. Wrote a song for the lighthearted game. And recorded it and released it. It's actually on lighthearted.games, like the website, but we're gonna play it right now for our outro. So thank you all so much. We'll see you next week. And yeah, write in emails. Suddenly it's all I feel Suddenly I 
is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.